Welcome to A Better HR Business, the podcast that looks at how HR consultants and HR tech firms grow their businesses and how they help their employers to get the best out of their people. Remember, for show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hello, welcome back to the show. Great to have you along. And I'm really looking forward to today's conversation with Andrew McDonald. Andrew is a fascinating guy. He is known as the neurodivergent copywriter. He uses copywriting to tear down barriers and to help creative and neurodiverse entrepreneurs to grow sustainably. And he does that principally through copywriting and through marketing advice and support there. So it's a fascinating area to be in. And Andrew, thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me on, Ben. Yeah, good to have you. You're like me. You're a little geographically confused. You're from one place living somewhere else. So where are you from? Where are you now? From North Wales, and I live in Southeast Ireland near a town called Kilkenny. So from the Welsh countryside to the Irish countryside. Beautiful. And in Wales, was it one of those crazy, super long names or? No, no, no. But I can say the really long one. <laughs> What's that one? Go on, say it for the listeners. Wow, that is impressive. If you go over on the boat to Hollyhead and you get the train, you pass through that station. Sometimes the train stops there, sometimes it doesn't. But there is a marketing secret yeah. to that name, believe it or not. I think it was Victorian times. Wealthy people in likes of Manchester, Birmingham, London used to go over to their holiday properties in Ireland, but used to just literally pass through Wales and didn't spend any money there. And the Welsh people in this small locality thought, how can we get them to stop in our area? So they created this huge name to get people to stop and spend money there. And if you actually go to the village, there's like, it's something like there's a chip shop, there's a post office and the biggest souvenir center that you would ever see. And every single day, the streets are blocked with buses of tourists going into there. So it just shows you how successful marketing can be. That is brilliant. Well, I have to admit, I did not know we were going to go there, but I've learned something about marketing already. We haven't even started, so that's fantastic. And if you're listening to this on the go, I'm going to ask Andrew later on for the link to that town so you can look it up yourself, so you can believe us both. You're known as the neurodivergent copywriter, and I want to ask in a moment about what that is, what it is that you do. But firstly, can you clarify, just so we can calibrate perhaps, what do you call neurodivergent? How do we define that? I don't like being too restrictive when describing neurodiversity because it is that it's diverse, but kind of trying to give it in a nutshell, it's a different way of interacting with the world, a different way that your brain interacts with the world. And they can be caused by things like ADHD, autism, OCD, from trauma issues, it's the way that people perceive and interact with the world in their daily lives that is different from the majority, which is the neurotypical world. Nice. Got it. And so you come from that place in terms of your own personal branding, neurodivergent yeah. copywriter. So you, I believe, specifically help 
neurodivergent entrepreneurs. That's your chosen area. Is that right? Yeah, correct. Because when I first launched my business, I really struggled to get it off the ground. And a lot of the reason for that was because the advice that I was given by the so-called gurus and experts was aimed at neurotypical audiences. And I found it a real struggle to get the methods to work for me and with a neurodiverse brain. And I went through a, a long, painful journey of discovery, if you like, clouded by a lot of kind of issues to do with failure and it not taken off for me. And it wasn't until I actually, purely by accident, attended a neurodiverse entrepreneur summit, it suddenly hit me that the methods that I'd been taught were not designed with people like me in mind. And I had to reassess and reanalyze and look at what other things I could do to build up my own business. And out of that came a niche, a specialism, if you like, because my aim really is to shorten and to make the journey less painful for other neurodiverse entrepreneurs, many of whom will be within your audience, who are probably finding the same struggles now. So making their journeys smoother and quicker. What was some of that advice or the methodologies that were more focused on non-neurodivergent marketing or strategies? I think there's an underlying belief or principle that the idea of just putting yourself out there is the silver bullet to all marketing issues. So go really kind of hyper networking or using really kind of aggressive but high workload marketing strategies like cold emailing. Now, both of them carry a certain level of rejection with them, much more so-called emailing, but they do carry a negativity with them that you have to be really on the top of your game and really super confident to be able to cold email day after day after day after day until you get something positive. And when you're dealing with trauma or when you have a lifetime of feeling that you don't fit in, like a lot of neurodiverse people will have struggled with feelings like that. When you are kind of particularly sensitive to rejection, that can be enough to make somebody throw the towel in. And if I just can add there that for people listening who may not know what cold email is, it's just reaching out via email to people who've never heard of you before. And that by almost by definition is an invitation to get rejection letters back or please stop sending me messages or maybe not the please. And you hear these things about every rejection, it means you're one step closer to success. You know, that you can sort of see the slogans on the motivational posters on the wall, but it's not quite that. And I suspect, as you say, yeah, for people who've dealt with trauma or struggles, challenges in their lives, to work out who they are and their place in the world, and that can be a pretty tough marketing strand. So I see what you mean. That can be 
pretty nasty. In terms of the copywriting then, tell us about that because I find it fascinating that you've chosen that niche and then I think you're sort of alluding to the fact that once you chose that area, it kind of turned around or it improved for you. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, for sure. What I learned from the summit that I attended was almost all of, if probably all of the speakers at that summit changed the narrative on what I had heard in the past of this sort of zero to six figures within six months, make money in your pajamas kind of narrative that I'd heard from the gurus and experts. And what they spoke about was not looking for that, but looking to build sustainable business. And by sustainable, it means two things, really. The first thing is sustainable so that you are growing at a pace that you are able to manage. So let's think about it in real terms. If you went from today, zero to tomorrow, six figures, are you going to be in a position to handle the kind of work and responsibilities that come with that? Or do you need to build yourself up before you're able to hit the ground running at that level? Are you going to burn yourself out by growing too quickly? But also sustainable in the sense that you are serving clients in a way that is giving them true value. So when they come to use your services or buy your products, they're doing that purchasing at a point where they are prepared, where they are best situated to make the maximum from whatever it is that you offer. The thing with that is that it's a slower build because you are becoming a valued ally of your community. It's a slower build but it's much better for repeat customers and repeat oh, yeah. clients. Trust is much higher. Yeah. Sales process is easier when it starts. And it's that idea like you can go and chase work really aggressively. Sell to people when they're not prepared for your services, for your products, but you are going to burn customers and clients that way. You're going to create a lot of resentment you're going to create a situation where you're on the hamster's wheel, constantly looking for new customers and clients all the time. Or you can flip that narrative, accept that it's going to take you a while to get started, but that once you do build up that business, that business sustains itself because you've got people coming back to you all the time. Yeah. So in the copywriting world, a way of making that happen is through marketing automation and lead magnets and things like that. So for people who don't necessarily know what that is or how they can use it to provide structure in their marketing, do you want to give us a little overview of how some of that stuff can connect together? Yeah. It's a really powerful way of building the kind of community that I just spoke about. A lead magnet is when you go onto a website and there's some kind of free offer and they ask you to sign up with your email address, sometimes it asks for more information than that, but as a minimum, it'll ask you for your name and your email address. And you get the lead magnet. Lead magnet can be a guide. It can be a webinar. Sometimes it's even a discount on services or products. 
it's something that your customers or clients want that they are willing to give you their email address in exchange for. Because, I mean, that sounds trivial. Email addresses, generally speaking, are free. So what's the big deal of handing over my email address to somebody? But the flip side of that is they know that you are going to email them. You're not going to just send them the lead magnet and be done with it. So there is a commitment there on their side, even if it's not financial. So the lead magnet has to be attractive enough that they will essentially give you permission to email them going forward in exchange for. Then you need what's called a squeeze page. What's a squeeze page? A squeeze page is a page on a website that you go on, you enter your name, you enter your email address, you click send, and the business receives your email address and you receive the lead magnet and you're subscribed to their mailing list. Then the next thing after that is you start emailing these people and they become your community. But you don't email them from the point of view of making it all about trying to sell your services. Yeah, obviously, you do want plugs for your services in there. But you don't want your emails to become just another sales pitch that they're getting into their inboxes. So say, for example, you, Ben, you help people with HR. You can be sending tips, ideas, suggestions for improving people's businesses and the running of their own HR through your emails so that people actually want to open them. When they see Ben Gagan, they're not thinking, oh, this is just a sales pitch. They're thinking this is actually something that's going to provide me value. And within that value, you kind of slide in plugs, if you like, calls to action to your services, but only as and when it appears natural. So what you're doing is you're creating a sense of you being a valued ally of your subscribers, not as the next salesman that they're encountering. Yeah, that's great advice. So I think any business can do this or should be doing this because yeah, it gives you that system and structure so that if you just do the numbers for it, for one thing, you might be able to just put that into a simple spreadsheet. You say, well, we get a hundred people looking at an ad or a hundred people looking at a post on LinkedIn or whatever it may be. So firstly, have we got those hundred? And then secondly, the quality of the thing that we're offering, the quality of that lead magnet, do enough people convert? Do enough people say, yeah, that looks really good. I might ask for that. So do enough people therefore put in their name and email address into that system? So there's a conversion number. And then secondly, how many people are opening and clicking through on the emails to actually consume that? Are they interesting enough? Are your numbers strong enough? Or do you need to add more stories or information, things like that to increase that read and click through rate to the point where you're getting enough people looking at either the book a call page or a product page, things like that. So you're able to put the numbers very clearly, in which case, once you've got those numbers down, each section, so the quality of the lead magnet, the landing page, does it convert high enough? Can we make changes to that? And then the actual email sequence, those things. And then you've got stuff maybe before, like the quality of the ads themselves and stuff like that. But each of those you can improve through copywriting and marketing tweaks. And I guess, Andrew, that's where you come in. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. One of the things that I want to put across is not only does email 
convert far higher than other marketing and advertising methods. But when you build a mailing list, that's something that you own. You can build a presence on LinkedIn, you can build a presence on Facebook or other social media, but you don't actually own that. You know, the Mark Zuckerbergs or the Musks can come along and can pull the plug and can change the roles. You don't control that environment. So, I mean, that's a really important plus for building up mailing lists. Yeah. Where I come in is I help businesses, help business owners to build those lead magnets that, as you said, are really attractive. You know, squeeze pages that do their job, that attract people into subscribing by giving them enough information that they're interested to get the lead magnet, but not so much information that they feel like they're getting everything anyway. So what's the point in subscribing? And then in terms of the emails, that idea that I was speaking about providing value, but whilst sliding in calls to action to your products, to book consultations, calls to action to buy your products, to hire you, and so on, but in a way that's natural, that doesn't distort the image of you being a valued ally. And you have to be careful how you do that. You kind of have to know how to do that. Otherwise, you come across as phony. You come across as somebody who's providing this value, but really there is this underlying idea of getting people to buy from you. Yeah, absolutely. So we do run advertising for our own HR marketing services. So we have an HR business accelerator, which helps people either start or grow either consulting or tech businesses in the HR sector. And yeah, we run ads. A lot of the time the ads will say, look, here's a really cool lead magnet. Here's some really great stuff. You'll find it really useful and help you and stuff. Of course we sell stuff. And so it's nice to be upfront, but if people know that that's fine. Cause yes, then we have automated email sequences that are written afterwards that sort of continue to educate and do promote the services. But each time the idea is that each standalone message and even the ads are either educational, informative, or just enjoyable. So it's not, as you say, just shoving a sales pitch down someone's throat. Yes, yeah. So again, for people listening to this, I think it's important to have that structure whether that's through advertising or just straight up promotional stuff to have that marketing sequence that follows up. I think it's worth having those. And then you just add more and more to the mix and then you can choose which one wins because the 80-20 rule sort of says probably you'll find one of them performs better than the other ones, in which case you could probably put more budget behind that to promote that particular lead magnet and that email sequence. The beauty of it is that you could then have someone like Andrew who then makes it perform better. Because if you think about the numbers again, let's say 100 visits, you get so many people signing up for the lead magnet and clicking through in the emails and then maybe five of them book calls and one of them turns into a customer or client that's worth thousands or tens of thousands of dollars or pounds or whatever. Imagine if you could double that rate simply by getting double the number of people opting into the lead magnet, double the people clicking through the email sequence, double the people looking at that landing page that's saying book a call and actually saying, do you know what? I will. So 10 people rather than just five people book the call. And suddenly instead of one new client, you've got two new clients for no extra work in terms of you know, trying to promote it harder. So for me, that's the system. Would you agree with that, Andrew? That's the flow? Absolutely. And the other thing that I would say is you mentioned about 100 people visiting your website. If you don't have some kind of system for capturing their attention, capturing their interest on your site, 
then you are completely at the mercy of their own. I'm not talking about sort of playing psychological tricks on people or any of that, because I don't believe that that is how you build up a successful mailing list anyway. Again, you can, but you'll get the quick sales, not the sustainable sales. But if you don't have anywhere to capture their interest, once they surf off your page, once they leave your site, they're gone. You are completely at the mercy of them remembering you, of them noting down that they want to contact you, of them taking action to contact you. Whereas if you're building a mailing list, you have their attention, you have them interested, you are able to communicate with them on a regular basis. For want of a better expression, it's basically like a fisherman going out with a net or going out with a net with a hole in the bottom. Yeah. A lot of business owners will run ads, and you see this particularly with Google ads, because you can stick in a service name like HR Consultants Manchester or HR Consultants Connecticut, whatever it may be, and then that ad sends someone straight to a book a call with us right now page. And again, sticking with those numbers things, you might get a 1% conversion rate off something like that. So you might get a hundred people visiting the website from the ad and only one books a call and even them, they probably don't sign up. Whereas if you put a lead magnet there instead, some sort of resource, you might get a 30, 40% conversion rate. So of those hundred visitors, suddenly you've got 30 or 40 people now joining your mailing list. And of those, if you're educating them with these sort of well-written emails that occur after it, then you will get phone calls, bookings from that, as opposed to going straight for the kill for the book a call ad. So you've shared some good advice there in terms of having that nice flow. Andrew, just to wrap things up, what kind of advice would you have or general thoughts for neurodivergent business owners and entrepreneurs on how to sort of set up a marketing system or the best way to approach marketing their business? It's obvious at this stage that I am an advocate for using mailing lists. And one of the reasons that I particularly suggest them to neurodivergent business owners like myself is because a lot of neurodiverse people, we struggle with energy levels. And, you know, some days we're absolutely able to do huge amounts of work. There are other days where we're burnt out and really we need to rest for the sake of our own health. If you're running a mailing list, you have control over when you do that. So for example, if you are feeling great about yourself on a Monday, you can get the email for that week done on the Monday, knowing that, okay, Thursday, I'm going to be flat you know that you don't have to do it then. So you've got that control. Whereas with, for example, social media, you have to be on top of it day after day after day after day. It never ceases. I'm not saying that social media can't be successful. There are many businesses and many neurodivergent business owners that get success from social media. I'm not telling anybody not to use it, but it is a fact that it is a very labor-intensive method of building business, whereas the mailing list can be ideal for somebody who, for example, is faced with energy-related difficulties. The biggest advice that I would give to a neurodivergent business owner, to be honest, is something that I would 
give to a neurotypical business owner as well is there's more than one way to be successful. There's more than one method. So if you're finding something from gurus and experts that isn't working for you, I'm not telling somebody, okay, it doesn't work for you, just immediately stop. But if you really reach a point where you know it's not working for you, it's not going to work for you, it's affecting your confidence, it's affecting your health, look at other methods. There's more than one method out there. Absolutely. That's great advice. And it makes sense to play to your strengths. And if there's some method that doesn't fit your natural style, like for me, networking was terrible. I hated it. Used to do it because I thought that's what you're supposed to do. Didn't pay off, but other methods worked beautifully. So you're right. Play your strengths. There are many choices to choose from. So Andrew, if people want to learn more about you, potentially work with you, what should they do next? My website, www.andrewmcdonald.biz. And I also have a book that I offer for free called Build a Marketing Outreach Campaign that's a neurodiverse entrepreneur. And if you use the address that I gave you there, with at the end forward slash book, you can get hold of that for free. Excellent. Well, so if you're listening to this on the go, check the show notes because we'll have the link to Andrew's main site and also the link to the book as well. And good on you for sharing a lead magnet, Andrew. You know, you're practicing what you preach. That's very good. And then also a reminder to check the show notes for the name of that Welsh town that I will not even try and pronounce. But Andrew, thank you for sharing that. But thank you more importantly for sharing all the wonderful neurodivision and just general marketing advice for people running HR-related businesses. It's been really interesting and I'm sure people will learn a lot. So thank you very much. Thanks very much, Ben. Thanks for joining us today on A Better HR Business, the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business. Thanks and see you next time.